Engaging conversation on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. I'm Janet Morena, Executive Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to our program. Well, a lot has been happening. As you know, the leak of that document from the Supreme Court was, I mean, the only way I can say it's un-American. Uh, this is our judicial system. And you know what? Whether you're on the side of being pro-life or pro-abortion, you should be angered and upset that centuries-old tradition of this our Supreme Court and how the justices discuss a case and begin to write a decision is now thrown out for everyone to see ahead of time. Do you realize the Supreme Court, um, what happens basically is that they vote on a case after they've heard it and they see where the justices are. And, okay, we know now we have a majority feeling this way then the, the, the chief justice charges one of the justices on that side of it. Okay, you write the decision, and then someone on the other side, you write the dissent. And they begin their hard work of writing a decision. And the documents go back and forth among the justices and their clerks in confidence. So this leak goes, it, it just shatters the trust that their colleagues now have for each other. And you know something? There's a long history here of justices that are on opposite sides of this issue still getting along socially. And a great example was Ruth Bader Ginsburg and, and Scalia. They were best of friends. They would go to the opera together. And yet, polar opposites on abortion. So, brothers and sisters, I hope you understand that this leak of this document uh, that Justice Alito had begun a draft uh, it is unprecedented, and we should be more angered at that attack on our judicial system. Now, okay, so here we go. We have a draft. It, it's not the final decision yet, and it looks like, it looks from all appearances, the justices are ready to do two things. First is uphold the Mississippi law, the Gestational Age Act, which will ban abortions in, in Mississippi after 15 weeks. But it looks like in that memo, they're going one step further. They're unraveling Roe as badly, bad, you know, badly decided decision. And this is not the first time this has happened in the history of our Supreme Court. There was, you know, slavery is one thing. Uh, uh, segregation is another in, in, in the schools. So, you know, every so often, and it usually takes about 50 years for a, a decision that was wrongly decided to eventually get to the point where it can be unraveled. And why can it be unraveled? Well, for goodness sakes, we have science on our side now. Everyone likes to say, check the science. Well, back when Roe v. Wade was decided in 1973, we didn't have the ultrasound. 
okay? Uh, we didn't have all the technology we have now to hear the baby's heartbeat, to see that unborn child, and to know that that baby starts heart beating at 28 days. Miracles. And so there's a lot of things in Roe that, that has just changed so dramatically. And also, too, and the Supreme Court has acknowledged this. Like, first it was, well, women have come to rely on abortion. But not necessarily because women also have come to regret their abortion. And that, that phrase, regret their abortion, has been in previous decisions. So what we're going to do today, we're going to discuss what has the legality of abortion, Roe v. Wade, done to women, really? And we're going to listen to a woman who, guess what? She had her abortion just months after the Roe v. Wade decision in 1973. So joining me today is a good friend of mine. She's our regional coordinator for the Silent No More Awareness Campaign all the way in Idaho. Welcome, Melissa Hempel, to the program. Thank you, Janet. I'm so glad to be here with you. I'm glad to have you. And of course, you know, like I just said, you're a woman who had an abortion. Uh, in your case, it was back in 1973. So Tell us just a little bit about the fact that, uh, first of all, how old were you when you had your abortion? I was 17. Okay, you were 17, you were a teenager, so you were in high school. Yep. And, you know, at that point, you know, when you started your that year in high school, abortion was illegal, right? Yes. Was there any conversations in your home at that time among you and your mother about the life issue, about abortion? Did the topic even come up? The topic did come up, and I have to say that I don't remember what made that topic come up. She must have been following it, unbeknownst to me. I was kind of <clears throat> not with it, you know. Um, but she had said to me prior to January of 1973 that if you ever get pregnant, you will have an abortion. So, she, you know, the groundwork had already been set that if there was an issue, then if there was a problem, we would get rid of it. Wow. Wow. Okay. So now <clears throat> January 22nd, 1973, abortion becomes legal. How many months after that did you find out that you were in fact 17 and pregnant? Um, it was, I actually had my abortion in March or April. So it was in February. I, that I, February, beginning of March, that I found out that I was pregnant. Wow. Yeah. So take us back. Now, I guess you had a boyfriend at the time. Was it a serious boyfriend or what was the situation? And now you're pregnant. What did you do? I mean, what was the first thing when you said, oops, I'm pregnant? What did you do? Well, to be honest with you, what I did was I went to Planned Parenthood. And because that's what we were trained in high school, that's where we were trained or taught to go. They told us that they would take care of us, that there wouldn't be any issues, that there wouldn't be any problems, that they would help us. And so that's where I went. I went to Planned Parenthood. I found out that I was pregnant from Planned Parenthood. And then um, I went home. I, you know, it's all kind of a blur still this many years away. Um, I think that I, I obviously told my mother and then we st then that started the ball rolling, and I actually had my abortion in New York City. There were no clinics in New Jersey. I was living in New Jersey at the time. 
And and so you traveled probably to Dr. Bernard Nathanson's clinic because um, I'm from New York and I realized that he was the architect of the abortion industry and he had those those big clinics in, in Manhattan, uh, in New York City. Uh, and where that's where I think that I went. I really yeah. and truly do. The only thing that I remember is that it, it was called Eastern Women's Center and it was in right. Manhattan. We took the wow. train in. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. So now, now that we hear that Roe v. Wade, you know, is going to be overturned possibly, uh, and that would make abortion, you know, illegal in a lot of states, but legal in, in many states still, because a lot of states are passing laws, as you know, uh, to make abortion legal to birth, while in other states are passing beautiful laws to protect the unborn child. But as a woman who's had an abortion now, how does that make you feel right now knowing that, oh, so if it was illegal, my mother couldn't have taken me for that abortion and I would have, my child would be 49 years old today. Because I remember the other night when we spoke, this is really beginning to, you're reflecting on this, aren't you? I was, have to say that uh, I was really surprised and continue to be surprised at how emotional I am about that because um, my life would be different. 13 years after my abortion, I had an ectopic pregnancy, which I believe was a direct result of the abortion because of the scar tissue. Um, so I just think that it's it's hard to wrap my head around it, to be honest with you. My life would be completely different. I wouldn't have the life that I have today. I would probably still be, maybe still be in New Jersey. There wouldn't be other children that were would have been involved as far as this young man was concerned because right up, he did not believe that it was his child. Now, you know, that is his, he can believe whatever he wants to. But right after, very soon after I had my abortion, um, he impregnated another one of our classmates. And she, I believe, she they married. And I believe that she had at least two, maybe three children with him. Wow. So, and you wonder if it was because he lost the child with me, even though he said he didn't believe it was his. Um, you just wonder what the effect was on him that he doesn't even know or realize that that was the case. Right. Yeah. So in your case, though, you had your abortion at 17. Um, how did you feel immediately following that abortion? Was there an immediate sense of regret or relief? And how long did it take you to you got to the point, you know, where you sought out some healing? I felt completely empty and it was numb. It was really numbing. I don't remember the train ride home at all. I remember um, a, a, my mother did not take me. My mother, I went, a friend took me. And so we were at, back at my house and 
lying on my bed and my mother came in and said, well, how, how was it? And I said, Oh my gosh, it was awful. It was, she said, be, keep your voice down, be quiet. Nobody, I don't want anybody to hear. So that started the silence and that started the whole thing that I wasn't really allowed to talk about it. And if I ever did talk about it, it was always used against me. It was used as, as a weapon against me. So I was very careful who I talked to about it. And I was, um, and I didn't talk about it for a very, very long time. My husband knew um, that I had had an abortion. My first husband, I was married previously, he knew as well. And that was his child that I lost um, to, to the ectopic pregnancy. Um, and so it just was something that wasn't talked about. And I started to feel nudges and leadings and like, this was a wrong thing to do. This, what happened to you was not a good thing. And I didn't realize what my whole, why my behavior was the way that it was. I was never a drinker or anything, but I did, I was very promiscuous. So that was how the bad behavior manifested itself. Right. And, you know, with a lot of men and with married men, with men that I knew that I would never have a relationship with. And when you look back on that, it was all because do you really want to have a relationship with somebody? Is right. this the right thing to do? And what happens next? And so it was a lot of regret for a lot of years. And it wasn't until 2013 that I actually sought out healing. Long time to be wandering in the desert. <laughs> Absolutely. And <clears throat> first of all, you're now, you're married the, for the second time, right? You're, this is right. And yes. you have, have you were able to have any children? I do not have any biological children. I do have an adopted daughter, which is an amazing story for another time. But um, yes, I have an adopted daughter and my husband has two daughters from a previous marriage, okay, but we so don't see them very often. Fortunately, we're in the same area with our daughter that my husband and I adopted. So, so you would say then basically uh, your inability to have a family when you wanted a family was interrupted because of the damage done to you physically during that abortion, correct? Yes, absolutely. And another really interesting thing was that I had um, abdominal surgery two years ago. And after the surgery, the doctor said, you know, you had a lot of scar tissue in your abdomen. What was that from? I don't know. It, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, but I believe that it was from, from the, the abortion. abortion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah. did you ever, well, first of all, you said you, you went through a healing program, you know, to deal with your feelings. Uh, what healing program did you go to? Um, it was a healing program that was in Washington, DC, and it was called transforming your life. Oh, okay. The woman that did it, uh, who, gave the, officiated the healing program, wrote that program, I wrote see. it. 
And, and so, your, your relationship with your mom, did, did you ever, you and she get to come to terms with this whole abortion decision? I mean, obviously she championed you having that abortion. Um, did you ever reconcile that? No, no, we never talked about it, ever talked about it. But after when she passed away in 2006, I was able to have a little bit of time with her um, after she had passed away. And the one thing that I said to her was that, well, now, mom, you'll get to meet your two grandchildren, your two oldest grandchildren. And I hope that they were there to greet you. Yeah, it's it, it's very sad because, you know, you're not alone, Melissa. I know a lot of the women from the Silent No More Awareness campaign who were never allowed to repair that relation, that part of their relationship with their mom because they were just like deaf to it. They didn't want to talk about it. They didn't want to deal with it. And um, it, it's very hurtful. And, you know, with all the talk that's going on right now, you know, um, and you were alluding to that before, that the other side is making it sound like, well, if we overtone Roe v. Wade, you know, women can't have access to abortion, which, as we know, is so ridiculous. There are so many states where they're in favor of killing babies to birth. Uh, and then, of course, there's the medical chemical abortion that the FDA is letting them send mm -hmm. through the mail. So it's such a fallacy. And yet these women that you see like on the news screaming about, you know, their rights, their bodies, and, uh, you know, never go back in the coat hangers and all that. They don't want to listen to people like you, Melissa, who deeply regret your abortion, who suffered physical damage. It's like, they don't, they want to silence you, don't they? Yes, they do. They do. And, and I'm out on the, on the sidewalk at Planned Parenthood at least once a week, but at a minimum once a week. And we go out on abortion day. And I have to tell you that today my heart was broken and I carry my sign, my I regret my abortion sign with me. All, I mean, that's what I carry. So that if anybody has any questions that they can come up and speak to me about why I regret my abortion. But there was a young woman who drove out with, I don't know who he was, who was driving and she was in tears covering her face so that she couldn't see us. There was, there was a, I mean, four, there were four or five of us out there today, but I felt so, my heart broke for her. What is going to happen to her? I hope that my prayer is that she will be able to find help and to find healing. That I've heard so many stories of women that are on the table and they know that they're making a mistake. And then after it's over, they're, they're empty, they're numb, they have immediate regret, and it's too late now. Right. And you just pray that they are not in the same situation that I was in, where I was not able to have children of my own. I love my family. I love my daughter with all my heart. And I wouldn't give what we went through and, and our adoption process for the world. But I know that I have two children that are not with me. Yeah. And, and when you think about, you know, back in 1973, uh, the, your situation with your mom, although it sounds like she was leaning onto that pro-choice side, mm -hmm. if Roe v. Wade had never been decided, because you lived in New Jersey, so abortion was yes. illegal in New Jersey. I know that. Um, do you think, I don't think your mother would have taken you for an abortion if it was against the law, right? 
I don't think so either. I really and truly believe that my, that had that not been, had Roe v. Wade not been passed in January of 1973, that I would not have had an abortion. And so therefore you, like so many other women can say, you know, this decision cost my baby and cost me all these years of regret. And in your case, it cost you your fertility, your future motherhood, right? Yes, I mean, because yes. the abortion industry, as you know, Planned Parenthood's famous line, oh yeah, no big deal. Have an abortion today, go back to school and work tomorrow. No big deal. But what you're telling us here, Melissa, it was a big deal. And in your case, it robbed you of not only your, your fertility, but a genealogy of other children, uh, you know, generational, right? Yes, yes. And if you and if you look at the shock waves, how many different, how many families are not here because of my abortion? Right. How many other family members are not here because of that abortion? Yeah. So you just it it's a ripple it it's you know the stone in the the pebble in the pond it and That's it right. just keeps getting wider and wider and wider and yeah. you just you don't know you just no, don't absolutely know not. Mm -hmm. so <clears throat> in any you know days i mean we're probably a weeks away from this decision actually coming down um if you could right now like you know dream the the media <laughs> would say Melissa, we want to hear your story. We're going to have you on uh, CNN tonight, right? Yikes. And we're going to let you say something about how you feel about the possibility of Roe overturned. If you had that opportunity to right now look into a camera and talk to the CNN or one of these liberal uh, media outlets, what would you want to say? I would want to say that it's absolutely the best thing that could happen, that young women and young men think that it's the right thing to do where they have absolutely no idea what it is that they're doing. After an abortion has happened, it's too late. You don't have the opportunity to turn back. And I can remember hearing at some point someone saying, that might have been your only child that you aborted. And I, at the time when I heard it, I thought, oh, that's ridiculous. And I, that was prior to my pregnancy. And now I, it, he was reading my mail. He told, was telling me that that child that I aborted was the only biological child that I was, that I could have had actually, that I could have had. So it, no, I'm so thankful that there is the opportunity that Roe v. Wade will be overturned. There are so many places that can help women. I believe they're, the pregnancy care clinics outnumber abortion clinics four to one in our country. There are so many people that are there to help, to help with the raising of a child or to help a woman walk alongside of her. You're not alone. You're not alone in this. And this is what the other side wants you to believe is that you're alone in this and that it's not there. You shouldn't go. You shouldn't have a baby while you're in college because your life is never going to be the same. Well, 
let me tell you that after you've been pregnant, when you become pregnant, your life is never going to be the same anyway. So do we choose life? Do we choose positive, the, the right road? Or do we choose death? And right. a life of regret and a life of hurt because it never goes away. That's no matter right. which side of it's the not, aisle you're not on. not a giant eraser. It doesn't erase no. the no, whole situation. And I always say it's the strong women facing an unexpected yes. pregnancy that go ahead and give birth. Yeah. And that despair and weakness and pressure is what leads to abortion, not strength. You know, yes. when they hold up their fists, my body, my choice. No, it, that's, those are not the strong women. The strong women are the ones that go to those pregnancy help centers and say, help me. I, I want to have this baby. I'm not prepared, but I need help. And they get the help they need, you know? You're well, absolutely Melissa, right now, <laughs> what we're going to do is I want to treat the, our viewers to uh, the silent no more a song, as you know, um, I think it expresses a lot of the things we've been discussing. So we're going to, right now, I'm going to show you brothers and sisters, and I'm going to come back and say goodbye to Melissa. So let's first listen to the Silent No More song. In my fear, I believed a lie all those I was trying to hide away Ashamed of the light of day Made a choice Thinking I'd be free But that choice It imprisoned me in my shame Till I stepped into the light of God's light the healing began I'm free from the shame I'm healed of the pain I will be silent no more I'm free from the lies Love opened my eyes I will be silent no more Love broke through to the heart
Thank you. Only you can stop some lives. Only you can save. Thank you and God bless. I will be This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.